Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir today. We're going to continue in Chaim Aran, but I hope we're going to have some very, very interesting things related to the Chaim Aran and possibly some additional items besides the, the Chaim Aran, Mitzvah We dedicate the learning today, Li'ilu'i Nishmas, Tuvya Barabiswal Yitzchok, Yerachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia, and Rosa Basi Tamar, and for a complete Rufu Shalema for all those that need it, including Rus Alexandra Esther Chaya Basluna Patricia, Mazel Batzahava, Jonas Ben Hilda, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, Tuvi Tzvi Ben Chayaliza, Eitan Yoel Ben Edna, Shimon Zvulon Ben Soraleya, Shimon Eliezer Ben Rochel, Besoich Shar Choyli Yisrael. We're discussing Rabbeinazal's trip to Novorich, which was a, a, a complete mystery in many ways, and the person who traveled with him was one of his close students, who himself was a giant, Reb Shmuel of Teplik. And Rabbeinazal said to him, in order that you should know that I know what's going to take place in the future, I'm telling you now that there are three things. Two of them are really go together, and the remaining one is separate. If the two things happen, the other one will not exist. And if the one thing happens, the other two won't exist. And Rabbein Azal added which one he wanted more, but unfortunately it wasn't remembered. <coughs> and then in addition, he said, Rabbein Azal said that at a, at a certain point, tonight I was busy with a book of medicines, even though medicines don't, don't, don't help. But he mentioned that the white, there's a term in Hebrew, Ashes Neurim, the wife of my youth, which usually refers to a person's first wife. If chas v'shom, a person loses a wife and has to remarry. <clears throat> so Rabbein Azal commented that the wife of my youth is not here, and we'll have more on this in today's shir. Then Rabbein Azal made a comment, from Mezar will become Mezrich. The term Mezar is a word in Aramaic that refers to medicine. Mezrich is the city where the, the one, the great rabbi, Rabdoiv Bear of Mezrich, who took over after the Baal Shem Tov lived. And Rabbi Nezal said, from there go to Ostro, from there to Breslov, in order for my wife to be able to bring her there to be treated because she was very ill. And sure enough, this was done. And then Rabbi Nezal said he was expecting the same thing to happen there as what happened to him in Istanbul when he was on the way to Israel, where he experienced major, major insults and, and attacks. Rabbi Nezal writes, all of this I heard from this Rabbi Shmuel of Teplik who accompanied Rabbi Nezal on this trip. But unfortunately, most of what took place is missing. And here we see again a reminder that when students don't write things down, unfortunately a lot goes lost. <clears throat> now Rabbeinazal goes back and discusses a little bit in more detail Rabbeinazal's trip to Lemberg. Lemberg was a city that was known that had major doctors that had a very big reputation at that time. <clears throat> and Rabbeinazal writes that on the first night of Sukkot, when we go into the Sukkah, we're starting off the holiday, 
And one of the highlights of the Yom Tov of Sukkot is that we invite the Yushpizen, the special guests, into the Sukkot, the Shivaroyim, the seven shepherds of Klal Yisrael, which correspond to the seven days of Sukkot. The term Ushpiza is the Aramaic word for guest. In Yiddish, we'll see in a moment, in, in, uh, in the language in Yiddish, the term hust, hust means to cough, and in Russian or Ukrainian, that we have the English word guest, which is similar to the Yiddish word hust. I don't know the Russian word for it, but it seems that it's the same word. And Rabbi Nezal was talking at that time already, he mentioned the guests, the special guests that are being invited into the sukkah, these shivaroyim, and he mentioned that interestingly that it's the same word as a major cough, which is what this sickness that Rabbeinazal ended up contracting, the, the worst part of it is it's a very powerful cough where the person ends up coughing up blood, Rahman al-Islam. And Rabbeinazal mentioned an expression used by the rabbis in the Gemara that when the rabbis of the Gemara spoke, they used a lotion of chachomim. And then the Gemara says that one of the great rabbis, Rabbi Avohu, specifically spoke in a language of Chochmah. Now we know Rabbi Nezal in Likut Imran in several places speaks about the fact that there's Loshen Kodesh, the language of the Torah, the written Torah, and then there's the 70 languages of the other nations. The, the Hebrew language is referred to as Kedusha Holiness. The other languages are not. And yet, Rabbeinu Zal tells us, as we find in many cases, that in order for anything to exist, it must have holiness, it must have some holiness in it. And we find, the Gemara says, that the Hebrew word toitofos, which refers to tefillin, the boxes of the tefillin, the toitofos, the Gemara says, what, what kind of word is that? There's no such word in the Hebrew language. The Gemara says, you're right. It comes from two other languages, Caspian and African. And the Gemara says, Tat in African is two, and Pat in, in Caspian is two. So the word Toitofos is two, two, which means four. The four Parshish, Nitfil, and Shalroish, the four boxes. And Rabbi Nassau says, we see from this that even in the languages of the Goyim, there are these holy sparks, there are these sparks of Kedusha. And Rabbi Nassau points out that Rabbi Nassau, they saw, was completely, thoroughly knowledgeable in this area, and when Rabbi Nassau would speak very often, his words, they would see, would connect Loshen Kodesh to the other languages and show the bridges between them. Now, Rabbi Nassau tells us about three letters that Rabbi Nassau wrote. Two of them we have, the third one we don't. <clears throat> and these are incredible things. These are personal letters that Rabbi Nassau wrote to people very close to him, as we'll see. Now note, the Gemara says about the Aseris Hadibrois, the Ten Commandments, which begin with the word Anoichi, Anoichi Hashem Alekecha, I am your Hashem. The Gemara says that the word Anoichi makes up the first letters of the words Ano, Nafshi, Ksovis, Yehovis. I place my soul in my writing. 
when a person, when a quality person writes a letter or a document, we need to know that it's, it's not always as simple as it appears, that we, we're seeing, we're getting a glimpse of the person's soul, his nefesh, in his writing. This letter begins, <clears throat> this is a copy of a letter that Rabbi Nezal wrote to his brother, Rabbi Chiel, who was also a great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, who lived in Kremenchuk at the time. Kremenchuk is a city, one of the cities that Rabbi Avram Sternhartz lived in for a period of time. He was the rabbi of that city. And also Rav Rosenfeld's father, Rabbi Yisrael Abel, whose yard site was yesterday on Shabbos, the 22nd of Ov. He also, the last stop before escaping, before running out of Russia, was Kremenchuk. He lived there for a period of time. And unfortunately, the Jews experienced pogroms there. And those that were, those that were Zeche ended up escaping from there, leaving there. So Rabbein writes a letter to his brother Rabbi Chiel, who was in Kremenchuk at the time, where he suffered major hisnagdus, major opposition from people who were against Hasidus at the time. We know that from the time of the Baal Shem Tov, which is when Hasidus was founded, unfortunately there were many people at that time who for several reasons, one of the reasons is because of the era of the false Moshiachs before the Baal Shem Tov, and when people heard, heard that there's a new tzaddik on the horizon is performing miracles, some people immediately assumed that this might likely be one of these false Moshiachs and spoke out, attacked the Baal Shem Tov, attacked his followers. And another reason was, again, the fact that <clears throat> they were suspicious of anybody who wasn't part of their system of learning. So Rabbi Nezah writes here, <clears throat> Be'ezra Hashem, Monday, the week of Parshas Bechukosai, when we read the Toichacha, the, the, one of the two places in the Torah where Hashem gives major rebuke to Klal Yisrael and tells us that if we will not follow the path of Hashem, unfortunately Hashem will rain down upon us all kinds of curses. Rabbi Nezal says to my dear and precious and beloved brother, the outstanding Talmud Chacham, Rabbi Chiel Tzvi, <coughs> may his light shine brightly. I received your letter in Zaslav, and it caused me tremendous pain to hear how these Rishoim are indulging themselves to such a degree that they're, they're enjoying <coughs> making your life miserable and, and are doing this in such an open, brazen, with such chutzpah. It surprises me to see <clears throat> that there's no goodness to counter this evil, to stand up against them and to, to suppress this opposition. My beloved brother, my soul, my heart, <clears throat> this is how he refers to his brother, don't be afraid, <clears throat> just be strong, be confident, and strengthen yourself in Torah and Yira Shamayim all day, as we discussed between ourselves many times. <clears throat> and also, be confident in the merit of our forefathers, the Baal Shem Tov and, and Rabbi Nezal's father, his great Sadiqin, <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal's mother and grandmother. The purpose of all of this opposition is to help you grow, to make you greater, 
and to enhance your holy wisdom. <clears throat> it's the same as plants. The only way for a plant to be able to reach its ultimate completion is for the seed to be placed in the ground first. Then the seed has to rot, and only afterwards does it sprout and grow and become a great tree. Rabbi Nassar writes, that's the same case regarding you. The fact that they're throwing you down to the ground, they're insulting you in this way, you're going to grow and sprout and blossom. If these wicked people would realize this, <clears throat> they wouldn't treat you so badly. They don't want you to succeed. Because unfortunately, their intention is, is not, not a good intention. We find Rabbi Nassar brings in another place that just like a tree, in order for it to grow, you have to throw water at it. So too, a person sometimes, in order to grow Baruchmias, has to have insults hurled at them. These are these waters of Machlekes. That's a term that's used in the Torah. <clears throat> in order to enable the person to grow. Rabbi Nezal once commented that there are certain Heicholim in heaven. There are certain very high places in heaven which a person cannot get into without enduring machlokes, And this was unfortunately one of the reasons why Rabbi Nezal himself allowed himself to, to endure this machlokes. Had he wanted to, he certainly could have gotten out of it. Rabbi Nezal continues, I want to let you know that it's my intention to stay here in Zaslav for about three months. Rabbi Nezal had traveled there <coughs> in order for his wife to be able to receive the medical help that she needed. And after that, I'll know in which direction to turn. I want to let you know that at, in the beginning, my wife's condition improved, but now, unfortunately, it deteriorated again, and every day her strength is becoming weaker and weaker. The expenses here are enormous. I've had expenses of 54 gold coins. There's nothing more to be said. <clears throat> we continue on. And he signs from your brother, the one that loves your soul, with best wishes for your success in Torah, hoping to hear good news from you and to see you alive and well. And Rabbi Nezal signs, Nachman, the son of Reb Simcha, <clears throat> may, may Hashem protect him and give him life. Interesting to note that he signs this letter <coughs> using his father's name, Reb Nachman ben Simcha, and we'll see the same in other places. And yet, before Rabbi Nezal passed away, he said he preferred that we use his mother's name in tefillah, that when we refer to him, we refer to him as Rabbi Nachman ben Fega. <coughs> there are some people today that mention both names, Rabbi Nachman ben Fega, Rabbi Nachman ben Simcha. But in general, the, the default was referring to his mother's name now. Any questions, please? Uh, Rabbi, yes. I'm not sure if I understand why he preferred to be referred to uh, uh, as the child of his mother as opposed to his father, which is such against everything that we have been doing for thousands of years. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Sfardim referred to the mother's name also, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> number one, and could be because of the connection to the Baal Shem Tov. 
even though Rabbeinu Salon, his father's father, he, he had tremendous respect for his father, Reb Simcha, <clears throat> could be because of the connection to the Baal Shem Tov. I never heard somebody give a definite answer for this. Okay, thank you. I know my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, once said an incredible chiddush of his own that we just recently, last week, we read Parshas Voes Hanan, where it speaks about Moshe Rabbeinu praying 515 tefillos to get Teretz Yisrael. The number 515 is also the numerical value of the word tefillah, meaning that Moshe Rabbeinu was mispal of the full spectrum of tefillah pleading with Hashem to allow him in Teretz Yisrael, and Hashem said to him, Al Toisef Dabre like, stop, don't say any more prayers. Moshe Rabbeinu did not physically get in Teretz Yisrael. Rav Rosenfeld said that Rabbeinu Zal, what happened to those tefillahs? <coughs> Rabbeinu Zal took those tefillahs and added his tefillah to that, because Rabbeinu Zal said the, the same words that Dovr Amel said, that tachas, ah, tachas that in response to the love that I feel for all Jews, there are those that hate me. And my response is only prayer. means my response, and it means I am tefillah. That's what I'm all about. And Rabbi Nezal said that was the main thing he came to revive in the world, <coughs> is tefillah. So Rabbi Nassal added his tefillah, making it 516. And then he, he, was, he succeeded where other great giants did not succeed in getting Teretz Yisrael. The number 516 is Bigimatria Rebbe Nachman ben Fega, the way it's spelled in Yiddish, Fe Yud Yud Gimel Aleph. So there definitely is some significance that we know about it. I left out a P.S. in the letter. Rabbein Zal adds in that last letter, my wife sends good wishes to your wife. We know there's a halacha that a man is not allowed to say to his friend, he's not allowed to say, send regards to your wife. A man is not supposed to send regards to someone else's wife. Rabbein Zal writes, my wife sends good wishes to your wife. My daughter Miriam sends good wishes to all of you with good wishes to all of your supporters, all of those, those who are close to you, be strong and be courageous. There's great reward for what you're doing, both in this world and in the future world. And again, Rabbi Nezal adds his name. This is the first letter. This was written specifically to his brother, Rabbi Chiel Tzvi. Then there's a second letter, which Rabbi Nezal wrote to his students during the time that he stayed in Zaslav, in that city. Unfortunately, Rabbi Nezal endured a lot of difficulty. It wasn't, you know, he was, a, he was a guest there in a sense. He went there because his wife insisted he had wanted her to go to a different city for medical help, and she insisted on going to Zaslav, so they went there. And they spent several months there, and she passed away there on Erev Shavuos. And during that time, Rabbi Nezal wrote this letter to his students. I have to inform all of my followers that I've become disgusted with living in Breslov, in the city of Breslov, because of the great hardships and troubles that I've had to endure. For now, 
I'll be going around, I'll be wandering from place to place, in a sense, not to settle, just to be there for the period of time that I have to. What I ask of you is that all of the toil and labor that I invested into each and every one of you should not be in vain. Rabbi Nezal is referring to the incredible effort, the time and effort that he spent with each one of his students trying to bring them close to Hashem and all the tefillah that he invested on each of their behalfs. Because I took my life into my hands in order to benefit your souls, in order to bring you close to Hashem. Hashem is the righteous one. It's only me who have, haven't been perfect. If there's anyone who did anything wrong, it's me. Rabbi Nezal speaking about the suffering that he endured and that he's enduring. He's not chas v'shom blaming Hashem in any way. He's saying, if anyone is at fault, it's me. It was my own deeds which caused my suffering and the deaths of my precious children and the opposition, the machlekes and the accusations. But I know very well that it was also the, the work which I invested in all of you to extricate you from the teeth of the Satan, that's what caused the Satan to sharpen his eyes against me and to grind his teeth against me. Rabbi Nezal is using expressions in Hebrew and Lush and Kodesh that are mentioned in different places in the Torah, where when the Yitzhahara sees that someone is, is really out to defeat him, the Yitzhahara tries to do everything he can to block that person. Therefore, my beloved brethren and friends, be firm and strengthen yourselves in, in fear of Hashem, in serving Hashem, each and every one of you, according to his strength and on his level. Don't let the efforts that I put into helping all of you, chas to prove to have been in vain. Observe the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, the servant of Hashem. And here he's quoting a Pasuk in the Novi Yeshua, chapter 22, as I taught you. And know that even though I'm far from you at the present, Zaslav was maybe a few hundred kilometers away from Breslov, <coughs> this is purely physical distance. There's no spiritual distance, has shown between us because we're very close my beloved brothers and friends, please, please, let these words which I've been written to you be close to you day and night. And again, he's quoting a pasuk in Malachim <clears throat> that, that for us to take the words of the Torah very seriously. He adds, this is to inform you that for the moment, for now I'm staying in Zaslav, and there I intend to remain in Yitzhashem for about three months. I write with tears of joy at the thought that Hashem has given me the strength of steel to bear, to be able to bear the, the yoke of suffering and this exile, this having to wander, traveling from city to city. <clears throat> Remember, in those days, travel was nothing like today. We're talking about traveling in horse and buggy through forests. In many cases, there weren't any normal roads. Your loving Nachman, the son of Reb Simcha, may Hashem protect him and give him life. And he says, this is to let you know that I am healthy, Baruch Hashem, without having to resort to any medicines. And again, he signs his name. Now, it's interesting to note, 
Rabbein Azal writes here, I write with tears of joy. Unfortunately, there are people, some of them secular people, who studied a little bit, read a little bit about Rabbein Azal's life, and they assume, reading about his life and all the suffering he went through, that he must have been full of depression and, and negativity. The people that say that, unfortunately, there's one person who wrote a book called The Tormented Master. To use that word about Rabbein Azal, a person has to be extremely and deeply tormented. The person wrote the book and obviously didn't read enough to be able to read the lines and to read between the lines. That despite the fact that Rabbein Azal endured a tremendous amount of suffering and difficulty, we see that he was able, not only was he able to be happy, but he was able to encourage his students to infuse them with incredible simcha, and not just short-term simcha, but to be happy throughout their entire lives. And he was able to pass this down 200 years later to us today. We today are deriving tremendous encouragement and simcha from this tzaddik, who 200 years ago went through all of this, but still was able to maintain he, a lev nishbar. He's definitely had a broken heart, but stayed far away from depression. As he writes here, I write with tears of joy at the thought that Hashem has given me the strength of steel to be able to withstand all these struggles and difficulties. Now, Rav Nosanzal writes, there was also one additional letter that he wrote to his students from Zaslav in which he pleaded with us to remember the condition that we were in when he found us, when he first met us. How many of us, he had to extricate us, Mamish, from the teeth of the Satan. And he wrote that, Im Yitzhashem, when I recover, I hope very much that you'll be able to receive more from me. And, and he ended by saying, pleading with us to pray for him, and that his main desire is, Hashem to be zeicha, to gaze at the sweetness of Hashem and to be zeicha, always to be within the presence of Hashem. This letter that we're quoting right now was written before the letter I mentioned just before. And, he, and when he wrote it, he was in tremendous pain. He had become ill when he was, during part of the time when he was in Zaslav. However, so therefore he pleaded with his Talmidim to be mispal for him. After he recovered is when he wrote the letter that we just, the long letter that we mentioned now that he wrote to his Talmidim, where he says that our tefillos brought about his, complete, his recovery from this illness. Unfortunately, his wife ended up passing away <clears throat> subsequent to this second letter. She died over there in Zaslav, and then a few months, a short while later, Rabbi Nezal became engaged to his second wife in the city of Brody, a very famous city at that time. And then he made a very strong request that we should daven for him a lot. Rabbi Nezal writes, but unfortunately, due to our shortcomings, due to our many sins, the, the angels that were working against us were strong, and Rabbi Nezal ended up passing away three years after he contracted this sickness, tuberculosis. 
Rabbeinu Zal made it perfectly clear that it was a miracle that he survived for three years. And that there are many stories that could be told about this besides the things that we don't know about. Any questions, please? Now, Rav Zal goes into detail regarding Rav Zal. We finished the trip to Zaslov and Navrich. Now, Rav Zal goes into detail regarding Rav Zal's trip to Lemberg, which today is also known as Lvov. It's a famous city in Ukraine. Rav Zal writes, in the year 5568, which is again three years before Rav Zal passed away, Immediately after Sukkot, which means winter time, the beginning of winter, Rabbeinazal left for Lemberg very hurriedly. Rabbeinazal says, I myself went chasing after him <clears throat> to a city called Krasnoi. And there, when, when I caught up with Rabbeinazal, he said to me, we're going to see each other again. We're going to see each other again and again. Rabbeinazal gave tremendous chizuk to Rabbeinazal, who needed it because of everything he was going through. <clears throat> and Rabbeinazal says he repeated this several times. And then Rabbeinazal made a statement. He said, if you really want to be pure and to serve Hashem properly, what are you worrying about? The whole world <clears throat> is, is going to work and, and toil for you. This personal travel to Breslau, which is a city in Germany, and someone else will go somewhere else, and all of them, everything is for you. We know the Gemara makes a statement. Rabbeinazal quotes this in chapter 5 in Likut Imran. The Gemara says that every single person has to realize that on a certain level, the whole world was created for me, and everything going on around me, things that I see, things that I don't see, are all there for me in order to bring me close to Hashem things that I need to see or experience. And again, even people that are traveling to distant places sometimes, they don't realize and I don't realize that these are things that are being done for my benefit. Now, right after Rav Zal caught up with Rav Zal in this city of Krasnoy, <clears throat> the following morning, Rav Zal again suddenly left. And Rav Zal writes <clears throat> that I went chasing after him and I managed to catch up with him when the va- wagon that he was in was, was by a bridge, and they had to travel very slowly. Rabbi Nezal seemed happy to see me, and he started speaking about the purpose of his journey, connecting it to a topic at the end of chapter 282 in Likut Imran, which is one of the most famous chapters in Likut Imran, which, which Rabbein Azal bases on the Pasuk about a person being able to search within themselves and find good points about ourselves even when we're not doing so well, even when things are terrible. Towards the end of that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbein Azal opens a new discussion where he speaks about the fact that each and every tzaddik in every generation is involved in building a mishkan, a sanctuary for Hashem. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jews were in the desert, Moshe Rabbeinu put up a mishkan, so too the tzaddikim in each and every generation 
are involved in building a Mishkan for Hashem. And at the end of that chapter, Rabbi Nezal goes into detail how this is related to small children, when small children study Torah, etc. <clears throat> Rabbi Nezal writes now that when Rabbi Nezal was in Lemberg, he was in very critical condition. And while he was there, he submitted to receiving medical treatment from the doctors there. There was a, a long period of time that he was, able to, he was only able to lie on one side and found it impossible to lie on the other side. <clears throat> we know there's a halacha, the Gemara speaks about this and the Shulchan Aruch speaks about this in very serious terms, that a man is not permitted, when a person is sleeping, laying down, person is not supposed to sleep on their stomach, to lie down on their stomach, and also not to lie down on your back, facing upward. A person is supposed to lay down on their side. And it's recommended that when a person first goes to sleep, they should lay down on the left side. In order to allow, if a person ate at any time shortly before going to sleep, if they lay down on the right side, it could cause complications in digesting the food. So when a person goes to sleep at first, they're supposed to lay down on the left side, and then during the night, to turn over on the right side. And there are reasons given in halacha for this, that, that if a person lies on their stomach, it could cause chas v'shom, mikra layla, that type of item, and a person lying on their back, it could come out being disrespectful to Hashem in that position. <clears throat> So again, a man is supposed to be lying on the side, the left side, the right side, depending on the circumstances. So here, Rabbi Nezal, it was impossible. The, the, from pain, he wasn't able to lie on one of the two sides. But afterwards, <clears throat> Hashem made a, a miracle and things started improving a little. And then one night, Rabbi Nezal turned to the other side and was able to lie on it. And he said this was not due to any medicine or anything the doctors had done. In fact, he said that someone had come to him that night in a dream and told him that there was a decree from heaven that he should turn over, lay on the right side. And then he turned over and he lay down on the right side as he always usually did. And it had been a long time since he was able to do this. And Rabbi Nassau said that the one that came to him that night was the tzaddik Reb Aaron from Titayov, who was a grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. And Rabbi Nassau said that Reb Aaron now is a close, close, loyal friend of his and, and showed him deep love. It's interesting to note, <clears throat> we, mentioned, we mentioned earlier that yesterday was the yard site of Rav Rosenfeld's father, Rabbi Yisrael Abba, who is a descendant of Reb Aranzal, the student of Rabbi Nachman. One of the six closest students of Rabbi Nachman was Reb Aran, who became the Rav, the Poisek of the city of Breslov. And Rabbi Nezal said, made incredible statements about him. When he first, <coughs> as, as a child, his father, Reb Aranzal's father, was very close to this Reb Aharon from Titayov who was one of the leading tzaddikim at that time of the followers of the Baal Shem Tov. And 
there's a whole incredible story. We've told it before. I believe it's on our website. The Hiskarvus of Reb Aaron Mibreslov, how he met Rabbein Zal and how he became one of his closest students. But after Reb Aaron Zal became close to Rabbein Zal, there was a problem that his father would travel to Reb Aaron of Titayev several times a year. This was his Rebbe. And he would bring his son with him. He would bring Reb Aaron Zal with him. So the next time that they were going, Reb Aaron Zal was a little bit afraid and ashamed to go to see this Reb Aaron of Titayev because he had taken on a new rabbi. His Rebbe now, 100%, was Rabbein Zal, who was much, much younger than Reb Aaron Mititayev, and yet Reb Aaron Zal, like many others, felt that this was the tzaddik, that the tzaddik of the generation was Rabbein Zal. But his father wanted him to go, so he accompanied him. And first his father went in to see Rebaran of Titayev. <clears throat> and then when, when Rebaran Zal, our Rebaran Zal, went in to see Rebaran of Titayev, he looked at him and he said, I see something different in you. I see that you've tasted something special. What is it about? And he, he, he had to admit, he said that I met Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And, and Rabbi Aaron of Titayev stood up, <coughs> he stood up, and he said, <coughs> Rabbi Nachman, before he went to Eretz Yisrael, was a giant. <coughs> but now, after having been in Eretz Yisrael, come back, <coughs> very, very special. And he gave Rabbi Aaron Zala bracha. Hashem should help you, should stay close to him, you should continue to grow. He wasn't in any way insulted or took it negatively in any way. He only commented very favorably and encouraged him to go on this derech. Any questions, please? Rabbi, uh, which, which position would you say is, is disrespectful? I understand left is healthy, right is, is not so healthy, but which one did you mention was a disrespectful position? Lying on one's back. Because chas v'shon, if a person gets an erection at that time, it's, it's very, very disrespectful to Hashem, chas v'shon. And again, this is mentioned in, in, in halacha. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Thank you. Now, Rabbi Nosanzal continues, during this period of time, when Rabbi Nosanzal was in Lemberg, he was there for about five months. He left after Sukkot, and he was there between Purim and Pesach. <clears throat> Rabbi Nosanzal went into a private room there, and he started crying, and crying, and crying. And he called for his close student, Rabbi Shimonzal, who was with him. Remember, Rabbi Shimon was possibly the first and oldest student of Rabbi Nosanzal. He's the one who saw Rabbein Azal at his wedding, which was at his bar mitzvah, and Rabbi Shimon's cell was older than Rabbein Azal. And he said to Rabbein Azal, I see that you're going to be a, a great person, and I want to be your first student. And he was known as Rabbein Azal's Mishamish. So Rabbein Azal called for Rabbein Shimon to come in, and with tears flowing down his cheeks, <coughs> Rabbein Azal said, there's no one for me to ask advice. And Rabbein Azal told him how he had a sefer in his house. Rabbein Azal had a particular sefer that he had written because of which he lost his wife and his children. For this, because of this sefer, they died. 
And Rabbi Nezal himself had, had, had a lot of additional sacrifice. And now he doesn't know what to do. It, he saw that he's going to have to die here in Lemberg. And it's only if this Sefer will be burned <coughs> will he be able to continue to live. And this is why Rabbi Nezal wasn't sure of what to do. And he, he had tremendous anguish thinking of burning this awesome holy Sefer for which he had sacrificed so much. <clears throat> and Rabbi Nezal said, there's no way for me to express to you how great this Sefer is. If this Sefer would have survived, everyone would have really been able to see who Rabbi Nezal was. Reb Shimon's response was that if there's any possibility for supposing that your life depends on this, then there's no doubt that it's better to burn the Sefer so that you should remain alive. So Rabbi Nezal commented, at least it'll extend my life, implying it doesn't mean that I'm going to live to a long, ripe old age, but it'll definitely extend my life. In other words, if this Sefer will be burned, at least Rabbi Nezal would be able to continue to live for several years. But even so, Rabbi Nezal said, it's tremendously painful me to burn this. You have no idea how precious and holy this Sefer is. I lost my first wife and children because of this Sefer. Remember, we mentioned once in the past when th- that when the Arizal revealed a certain secret to Rechaim Vital, the following day, the Arizal's son became very ill and he ended up passing away. These are things that we don't understand. We cannot understand why. Why, on one hand, these tzaddikim are giving Hashem such pleasure and such respect. And yet sometimes when it comes to revealing very, very deep things, there's, there's penalties associated with it. And Rabbi Nezal writes, Rabbi Nezal cried and cried. Afterwards, the doctor came into the house and Rabbi, Shimon, and Rabbi Nezal was still talking and Rabbi Shimon told the doctor about his concern about Rabbi Nezal being in such a state that he's crying so much when his condition is so serious. <clears throat> the doctor was very shaken up by this, and they spoke a little, and then the doctor left. Afterwards, Reb Shimonzal continued speaking with Rabbi Nezal, and Rabbi Nezal cried even more than, than previously. And then afterwards he said to Reb Shimon, if that's the case, meaning based on what, what you're telling me and based on what I realize, <clears throat> here's the key to my drawer, Go quickly, hurry, don't, don't delay for any reason. Hire a carriage now and travel quickly to Breslau. This was a trip possibly of hundreds of kilometers. Don't let anything get in your way, not rain, not snow. Go as fast as you can to Breslau. And when you get there, take two Sforim. One of them is lying in that drawer that he told him about. The second one is in my daughter Odell's chest. Take both of those farm and burn them. These two were actually, it was one sefer that Rabbeinazal had written with his own handwriting. The second one was a copy that Rabbeinazal sat with Rabnosanzal and recited. He didn't give him the sefer. <coughs> Rabbeinazal said the entire sefer verbally while Rabnosanzal wrote, wrote it in his own handwriting. So there were two copies of this sefer. But as soon as Rav Nosanzal finished writing it, Rabbi Nezal took it from him and held on to both copies. 
And Rabbeinu Zal said, for, for, Hashem, for the sake of Hashem, hurry as quick as you can. And Rabbeinu Zal warned Reb Shimon, don't try to be smart. Don't, don't, don't deviate one iota from what I just told you of hiding any part of the safer. Make sure to burn it completely. <clears throat> Reb Shimon left immediately and hired a carriage to go to travel to Breslov. When he got to the city of Dashiv, which was a small city close to Breslov, he suddenly fell ill to the point where he couldn't get out of bed. Rab, Rab Shimonzal realized that this is just the Satan trying to block him from completing this mission. <clears throat> and because Rab Nosanzal adds, we already discovered, all of us, that whenever Rab Nosanzal told us to do something, there were always major obstacles especially something as important as this, where Rabbi Nezal's life was dependent on it. Rabbi Shimon gave instructions to the people that were there to put him into the coach, pick him up <clears throat> and put him into the coach so that he can continue his trip to Breslov. He decided that he doesn't care if he has to lay down on the trip. <clears throat> he must get there. And then he'll tell somebody else to burn it in front of him, in front of his eyes. <coughs> they put him in the carriage, and he rushed towards Breslov. As soon as he arrived there, he recovered immediately and became healthy. <coughs> My Rebbe Rav Rosenfels of had a similar story. On his first trip to Eretz Yisrael, there was an incredible amount of Mesiras Nefesh before going on the trip, but then like the cherry on top was he suddenly became very sick, <clears throat> extremely weak and sick, didn't know what it was, went to a doctor and he said to the doctor, I have one question only for you, or after the doctor che- was ch- checked him out. He said, I want to know if I leave now to Israel, will I get there alive? Will I survive the three-day trip? In those days, there were no direct flights. We're talking about 1948. And he said, that's the only question I'm asking. And the doctor seemed to agree that that I feel pretty confident that yes. Rav Rosenfeld made the trip, and he said as soon as the plane took off, as soon as he was in tremendous pain, and we, as soon as the plane took off, a few minutes afterwards, the pain disappeared. It was like nothing happened. It seems, and this is a, there's a very interesting point I want to bring up regarding this. I just returned today, Sunday, on Erev Shabbos in the morning, I returned from a month of travel <clears throat> in a few places in the United States and also in Montreal. It was a fantastic trip. I definitely felt the winds behind me of the tefillahs of friends, the good wishes and tefillahs of friends for the success of the trip. <clears throat> One of the stops was in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I spent a few days there with good friends, Baruch Hashem. One of the days that I was there, I was there for Tisha B'av, which this year came out on Shabbos and Sunday. <clears throat> Sunday morning, we went to the yeshiva, a, a major yeshiva in, in Silver Spring, where there were maybe 200 people that were there for Shachris, and then maybe another 100 people came to join for Kinois, because one of the leading rabbis there is known to give a special, special Kinois six hours, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., reading the Kinois, 
and giving a special speech before, just about before each one of the kinois, either describing what that kinois is about or talking about Jewish suffering in general, whether it was the Holocaust, whether the suffering of Soviet Jewry. At one point in the beginning of his shir, the rabbi was speaking about the fact that today we don't have a Beis Hamikdosh, today we're in exile, and he made a statement that today we can't feel anything. We don't feel anything. <clears throat> person learns Torah, they don't feel any high anything. Person in tefillah also. And he said, today we learn Torah because this is the law, because this is what we're supposed to do. We cannot expect to feel anything special. And I wanted to scream. I wanted to say, why are you telling this to these people? <clears throat> Number one, to the 300 people or so that were there, and to several thousand people that were seeing this 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 kino is broadcasted. Rabbi Nezal, in one of the stories in Sipurim Isis, in the eighth story, about the rabbi who had an only son, and this son, the, the rabbi raised him beautifully, and he got married, and he was able to sit and learn and daven throughout, ju- just do that. And sure enough, he did it, he was learning and davening, but he felt that something's missing, and he didn't know what it was. And Rabbi Nezal says there, he spoke to two close, two young men, and they told him, you have to go to this tzaddik, and he'll be able to solve your problem for you. He'll be able to tell you what you're missing and to fill it in. And the story continues when it, you, can, you can read the story in Sipurim Isis. The rabbi, the father, told his son at one point, at first he tried to talk his son out of going completely. You don't need this. You're smarter than this tzaddik. You come from better lineage than this tzaddik. But after a while, the son insisted on going. And the father said, okay, I'm going to come with you. <coughs> But we're going to make a condition. If everything goes smooth, then we know that this is what Hashem wants you to do. If we see that there's any problems or difficulties on the way, we'll know it's a clear sign from Hashem that this is not what Hashem wants us to do. And Rabbi Nachman Shirin, in commenting on this story, says this was a terrible mistake. We know the Gemara, in the beginning of Brachas, the Gemara says that there are three things that don't come smoothly, that come with suffering. One of them is Torah, the, the second one is Eretz Yisrael, and the third one is Chay Olam Haba, that they come through Yisurim. Yisurim means obstacles, suffering, difficulties. The Gemara makes it perfectly there, and Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in several chapters on Likud Imran, that when a person wants to achieve something important, something that's really good and important, there have to be obstacles, there have to be difficulties, otherwise, again, there wouldn't be any Bechira. Otherwise, it would be easy street for anybody to become a tzaddik. And there are many reasons given for this. And in our case, the fact that we see Rabbi Nezal going through all of this suffering was not an indication that he was a Russia or that he committed sins, he did bad things. Rabbi Nezal, in the final shear of his life, in the Torah, Tiku Toichacha, Rabbi Nezal speaks about their different reasons why tzaddikim suffer and he writes that unfortunately sometimes it's because of us it's in order to atone for our sins because the tzaddik knows that if Hashem is going to give us the suffering we're not going to be able to handle it at all so tzaddikim volunteer to take upon themselves suffering sometimes 
to lighten our suffering, to make things easier for us. And here again, when we see there are obstacles in revealing certain secrets of Torah, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoyzal, <coughs> in order to reveal the Tikkunei Zoyar, Hashem had to create a scenario where he had to run for his life. He said something about the Roman government that was interpreted negatively, and somebody told it over, and the Romans put out a death warrant on him. And he and his son had to run and hide in a cave for 13 years, existing on Bukhtzer, Carob, and water for 13 years. No change of, no, 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 depart, no stores to buy new clothing. So the, the, the Gemara and the Zohar could say that when they were learning, they would remove their clothing and cover themselves with sand. It was only for davening. When they would daven, they would put on their clothing. And when they finished these 13 years, when Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoya, Rabbi Shemar Yechoyzal's father-in-law, saw him, saw his son-in-law, Rabbi Shemar his body was covered with blisters from lying in the sand all day. So the father-in-law, Rabbi Pinchas ben Yoya, started crying and saying, Woe is to me that I see you in this condition. Rabbi Shemar Yechoyzal said, Woe would be to me if you didn't see me in this condition. It's only because he endured this type of suffering that he was zoichet to reveal the tikkunei zara, the deepest secrets of Torah. The Zohar Kodesh says Elianovi would come to visit them twice a day to learn with them, to study with them. Moshe Rabbeinu came to visit. The Zohar Kodesh discusses the different neshamos of tzaddikim that came to join them during that period when they were in the cave. Shem should have rachmanus on us that all these suffering that all the great tzaddikim endured in the past should be a kapara for us, for all the generations, our generation, any generations of the future. Hashem knows, my Rebbe, Reb Nichol used to say, I'm not like those tzaddikim of the past. I'm like a fly on the wall, Hashem. You just blow on me and I'm finished. We are not like them. We can't endure these types of tests. Hashem should, should put an end to all the suffering of all of Klal Yisrael. And we should be seichet to see the Gula Shlema, the Binyan Beis Samiktosh, Meher Amenu, Amen V'yamein. We didn't finish this story to be continued. We'll see exactly what Rabbi Shimon Zal did and, 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 and how this continues in the following Shira Mitzvah. Any questions before we close? Uh, Rabbi, will, uh, I know it's still a month away, but will you be uh, having certain lectures when you're in Uman? I just got my ticket to Uman uh, today. The answer is, I, I definitely hope so. The past two years, Hashem gave me the incredible privilege, thanks to people like, like you, since, since the, that I was able to continue giving the daily shurim even when I was there. I don't know yet my date of departure, but I hope that from here, from there, we'll be able to continue learning together, Mitzvah Anyone else, please? Uh, Rabbi, yes. so... So can we say, even on, on, on I guess, uh, my level, that the difficulties uh, are a sign of some type of, of, of later to be rewarded challenge, or this is just for the tzaddikim, only their suffering really uh, 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 explains uh, uh, the, the, the level of, of merit that then recognizes the answer, is, just, just for everybody the answer is that if a person is enduring difficulties and suffering and obstacles when they're trying to come close to Hashem, they can definitely, they can usually 
say that unless sometimes we do silly things. Sometimes we don't ask advice from tzaddikim, and we do silly things. We make mistakes. We bring things upon ourselves. There's a pasuk, your own foolishness brings problems, and then you cry, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? Hashem says, I'm not doing it. You did it to yourself. So there are those that could be sometimes. We hope, we hope again that, that Hashem will bring us the sweetness of the Gula Shlema, Bimhera Amenu Amen Amen. We'll hold it over Rabbi here. Maiman, yes. I just have a quick question. At the very beginning of your class, you talked about on route to Israel, Rav Nachman stopped in Turkey. Um, it happens that our rabbi, Rabbi Benchimo, wrote a book about Rabbi Naftali Cohen Katz, which is why he went there. You didn't talk about that at all, but I, I noticed in some of the Rav Nachman books, they do discuss it, and they even say that he got sick because Rav Naftali asked um, that he should be buried next to him. And then he went back, he was very, very ill. Is that just folklore, or is that... No, I, mean, I, I believe it's true. I believe it does appear in one of Rabbeinazal's forum. I believe there is mention. Okay. We're going to come to that. We're go- we haven't discussed the trip to Israel yet in detail. We're going to come to that, Mitzvah Okay. Now, Hashem, when you come back to New York, I want to introduce you to Rabbi Raphael Benchmal, who wrote over 20 years... Um, the ethical will of Rav Naftali Katz, in which he just told me yesterday on Shabbat that he's going to update it and he's going to expand on the, the situation with Rav Nachman and how Rav Nassim um, recorded that particular event. Hashem. Looking forward, Hashem. Okay, good. And welcome back to Israel. Thank you Thank so you. much for my grandmother yesterday. Thank you.